Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I'm so excited you've tuned in. Today's program is brought to you by Trost Marketing. Trost Marketing is the marketing and printing solution for your business. Find out more at trostmarketing.com. Here at the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, our mission is focused on connecting, inspiring, and developing young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. Each month, you'll hear from an experienced and practical business leader from the state of Oklahoma. This month's speaker is John Rothrock. John Rothrock is the president and CEO of Yale Cleaners, the largest dry cleaning company in Oklahoma. Yale Cleaners is focused on providing high quality dry cleaning with exceptional customer service. Wow, that was quite the intro. All right, so I'm not a, the normal speaker. I don't like standing behind the podium. Who's gonna help me get my presentation going? Matt's on it. Um, so I, I don't want to just talk to you guys for the next 20 or so minutes. I want to talk with you guys. So at any point you want to engage me with a question or comment or, or call me out on something, please go ahead and jump right in. And you might be surprised, I might have an, a, an award, a reward for you. So here we go, connecting past and present. I think it's smart to start with a little bit of history of Yale Cleaners. Um, first of all, we're not a franchise. We are a local Tulsa business founded right here in the heart of Tulsa, uh, 11th and Yale, hence the name Yale Cleaners. A lot of people are confused by that and, and think that we're this big national brand, but really we're not. We're just a local Tulsa company. Now, it was actually started by a retired school administrator, Jim Hodges. It wasn't in my family until 1959 when my grandfather, James Stevenson, and his brother-in-law purchased it. Uh, fast forward a couple of decades and my grandfather was looking for a way out. Barney had already retired and he actually convinced my dad to quit chemical engineering and join the family business from my mom's side of the family, not my dad's side of the family. It's a little, little different. So that's a quick look back. This is our first location. Thank you, sir. We'll get the technical difficulties figured out. In 2010, we built our newest location on 41st and Harvard. We're really proud of it. We think it's the best looking dry cleaning plant in the nation. And we really are a, a three-generation company. Um, my parents had five siblings. They all work for the company in one way, shape, or form or another. And I'm the youngest of five and I'm in charge. So there's an interesting story there, but you'll have to catch me one-on-one -on -one for me to tell you that one. So why do I tell you about this three-generation thing? I mean, it's very important. Who here knows the answer to how many businesses fail in the third generation. 75%. You're close, 78%. You're close enough, I'm gonna give it. That means just 12% of businesses, oh, you, Yo, Cleaner's gift card. Uh, 12, just 12% 12 of the businesses survive that third generation shift. What's even more scary is just 3% survive the fourth generation. 3%. Now, the fourth generation is already working at Yale Cleaners. My brother's oldest kids are 15, 16, 18, 20, and 21, I think, give or take. Um, and they're all working the counter in Owasso uh, on afternoons and on the weekends. So it's a really incredible stat. So why do I tell you all this? Well, I don't want to be a statistic. If It's a big, big thing for me to know your past. I think if you know your past, then you're not going to be destined to repeat it. So if we want to take a look at that third generation thing, you really, really have to be mindful of what you're doing. You can't, the, the big problem with third generation companies is that they, they'd lose the why, the how, what they're actually doing. So before I get into this, I'm gonna bore you guys with some college terms. Um, I'm very fortunate, I got to go to college, I had some great mentors to help bring me along my path to leadership. And this one's very important to me. What's your widget? Ted, in the back. Everyone's picking on you today, I'm gonna pick on you too. 
What's Rebs and Tires widget? What is your basic product at the most basic level? What are you guys doing back there? We, uh, we deal with people. You deal with people. people Good answer. People People is your business and you sell tires. That's the perfect answer. You got to know your widget. So let's take a look at, I'm gonna roll through here. I got one for you too. Pass it on back. I didn't wanna leave you hanging. Ted's actually a really great customer. He trades out at 99th in uh, Mingo and uh, the Wanda and the crew over there take good care of him. And I appreciate his business. So let's take a look at Yale's past. In the 1960s and 70s when my uncle retired, my great uncle retired. Yale Cleaners was a fledgling company. We were not successful. We were doomed to fail. They had not taken a salary in two years, neither owner. One of them was about to move into the plant, move their entire family into the plant. So why is that? Well, at that time, Polly and Esther's had come out and Polly and Esther's close. And all the dry cleaners were really struggling to stay in business. As a matter of fact, 33% of them failed across the nation, not just in Tulsa, across the nation. But that's just an outside force. What were the inside forces that were causing Yale to not be successful? And there were some. Three-day service. Imagine you take your clothes to the dry cleaners and you get three or four days service. There's still people today that do that in this industry. It's surprising. Alterations, drapes, and furs. We didn't just clean drapes. We sold drapes and installed them in the 70s. We sold fur coats in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1970s. And we cleaned them and then we'd store them in our fur vault on 15th Street. We didn't know our widget. We didn't know what we were doing. We were destined to fail. You have to know what you're doing. Look at McDonald's. They're in the news the last year. They lost their widget. What are they known for? A hamburger and fries. Whether you're in China or Tulsa, you get the same crappy burger. <laughs> I'm serious here. All right, so building a widget. How did we get there? Well, we didn't just get there overnight. It took a lot of time through the 80s and 90s to get to where we are today. So we had to build our widget up. So how do you get to there? You have to know who your customers are. Who are your customers? Ted, who's your customers? I'm not getting you another gift card. Everybody. Everybody's your customers. So you have to know who your customers are. Same for dry cleaning. Same for dry cleaning. We didn't know who our customers were. We didn't know what they want. What, who are your customers and what do they want? Do they want to buy a fur coat in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Do they want you installing drapes? Do they want alterations? We'll get to that. And then finally, how do you deliver that to them? What are you going to do to deliver that to them? So in 1979, we were a central plant operating company and we gave you three day service. What do we do now? It's different. Now let me boil this down to you guys in the room and gals. This is not just a business owner thing. This is an everybody thing. If you're a manager or an employee, you have a widget too. Your widget is your work product. The value you deliver is your work product and you're delivering it either to your boss or your customer or the shareholders. This is not just something that business owners need to be focusing on and thinking on. It's something that you need to be doing. If you're a salesperson, you got to know your widget. What are you selling, man? What value does it add? What problem does it solve for the customer? If you're not solving that customer's problem, you're not going to close the deal. You're not going to make the sale. You have to know your widget. We need to invest in a clicker, yes, a clicker. So Yale began transforming our business model. We had to change. This is not something that happened overnight. We had to transform our business model to meet the needs of today. So this is my next nugget of wisdom. It's a nugget of wisdom. Start with the end in mind. Now, what does that mean? 
Has anyone got a clue? Come on, I got a gift card. Burn a hole in my pocket. Find the building before you start buying the bricks. Okay, I like it. We can work with that. Know where you're going. Know where you're going. Who said it? I'm giving it one. Uh, two. We got two winners. We got two winners. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's a winner. That was my last gift card. No more questions. Oh. <laughs> I got coupons, though. Uh, so know where you're going. That's exactly right. You can have the best widget in the world, but if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. You can know what your customers want. You can meet their expectations, but you got to know where you're going. If you leave the farm to go to town and you don't know where you're going, two things are going to happen. I can promise you this. One, you're going to get lost along the way, or two, you're never going to get there. So you have to know where you're going. You got to start, whether this is business or life or marriage, you have to know where you're going if you're getting married. You have to know what that end game is. He's not even paying attention. <laughs> you got to back away from that. You you, once you know where you're going, you back away from that. You take a step back, you look back, and you say, what are the challenges I'm going to face? How do I set goals and objectives to overcome those so you can deliver on your product or service for your customers? Now this is my favorite slide. Eliminate all non-value adding activities. Now that's a big fancy college word. I'm not gonna bore you with it. What does that mean? If the customer's not paying you to do it, don't do it. In 1979, we were full of non-value adding activities for customers. We did a lot of things they didn't want. They just want their clothes re uh, recycled. We're recycling clothes, that's what we're doing every day. We're providing great customer service by cleaning and pressing clothes. That's our widget. We're not selling drapes, we're not doing alterations, and we're not installing drapes, or coats. So, we had a central plant pictured above here. One plant, 22 drop stores. A drop store is an industry term for you drop off your clothes there and you pick them up, nothing else happens. So, you drop off your clothes, the counter person would mark them in, and they'd sit there and they'd wait, and they wait, and they wait. And finally, a truck would come by, pick them up, take them to the central plant. That's day one. Day two, they're sorted, they're cleaned, they're pressed, and then they wait. They wait, they wait. Clothes are always in the wrong spot. When the customer drops them off, you, they need to be at the plant to be cleaned. When the customer wants to pick them up, they might be at the plant being cleaned still. And then finally, they're waiting, a truck comes back along again, takes them back to that drop store, and now, three days later, you as the customer can get those clothes. Wow! At one point forward, you could custom build a car and have it delivered to you in seven days. And we're taking three days to clean clothes? Doesn't make sense. So we went to change that. Now, it does not, this did not happen overnight. This was a nasty, hard change. I never saw my dad growing up, I'll admit that. He did this every night by himself, day in and day out, week in and week out. He built the company. What do we do now? We have now 12 neighborhood package plants. What does that mean? The whole package is done right on site. The clothes never leave the building. The girl marks it in, throws it in the buggy. Within an hour, it's in the machine in the back. When it comes out of the machine, it's being pressed about an hour later. And then it goes up to inspection and assembly. Three hours service. You go from three day service to three hours service. There's a huge difference there. Did the customer pay me to get a truck, get the insurance, get the driver, do the background check, drive them all over Tulsa, point A to B, B to A, A to B, B to A, hope you deliver them to the right store? Absolutely not, they didn't pay for any of that. What they wanted was to clean, close, clean and pressed. Eliminate non, all non-value adding activities. Now I told you all of this because this is how Yale became to be. And I can't tell you what I've done at Yale if you don't know where we've been. We have continued this process in every facet of our company. We have a new barcode computer system. I say it's new. We did it in 2008. 
We now install one of these barcodes in every single garment you bring to us. Now, how does that eliminate non-value? How does that take the value out of the equation? Well, previously when I dropped this suit off at the cleaners, I get pull up the customer's account, mark it in, identify it. It's a suit, blue, a shirt, tie. You had to identify it. Then you had to tag it full of tags so you could know what number it goes to. Then you print out the tickets, attach the tag to the ticket, goes to the back, comes back up front. Now you got to take all the tags back off and get everything lined back up. There's a lot of activities that occurred. You put a barcode in there, it takes 10 seconds. You identify it one time and then you're done. On the old system, if this garment came to me 50 times, it was marked in 50 times. Under the new system, it's marked in once. It's scanned every time thereafter. Scan, scan, scan. So much faster. So much value we were able to give back to the customer. Hold prices down and do so much more, many more things with the dollars we were given to add more value to those customers. Those fancy car hops, those drive-throughs, all those different things. That's just one aspect of how we continue to keep that. Now, here's the proofs in the pudding. In 1979, owners hadn't taken a salary in two years and they were about ready to move into the plant. Fast forward through the 80s and 90s, they had 22 consecutive quarters, not months, quarters, I'm gonna say it real loud, quarters, of double-digit sales growth. How many companies can you do, know that say that? The proof's in the pudding. You have to know what the customer wants and be able to deliver it. Now Matt, I know you asked me to talk about social media and so I'm finally getting there. Um, I, I really think that, you know, I've been very successful in my leadership so far, but it's because I'm standing on shoulders of some real giants. They really, they built the machine, they built the widget. Uh, now it's just my opportunity to bring the marketing and some different things into the next level. So how much time do I have left, Matt? Uh, about five or eight minutes. Five or eight minutes, woo, we gonna go fast now? 58 minutes. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, so. Multi-channel customer marketing, it's real simple. What basically we're trying to say is you're gonna to market to customers the way they communicate. This girl back here, new fiance, how often are you on social media, Facebook? At least every day. At least every day. So here's the thing, you've gotta to market to customers where they are. You gotta sell their marketing message, you gotta answer their customer service problems, you gotta communicate where they communicate. So you gotta have the in-store, the online, whatever. You guys know all this, we're gonna just fly through that side. Yale's doing all those things. We still have our in-store. We have a great web, a responsive website and we have a very impressive app. But who are these customers? Well, they're me. I'm 34, about to be 35 in a couple of months. I've grown up with technology my whole life. I'm gonna say many of you guys in this room have. Some of you older guys, oh, not so much. Um, but they live a digital life. You go to bed with your phone, you plug it in, go to bed with it, you check it right before you go to sleep. You might wake up in the middle of the night, check it in the middle of the night. You wake up in the morning, first thing you do, may not even kiss your wife. You're going to check your Facebook or your Twitter or whatever it is that you use. Heck, most of you guys take it to the bathroom with you. The phone lives with you. It goes everywhere you go. So as a company, as a marketing company, you had best be trying to utilize it. It's the best platform ever invented to market. All right. So how do you market? Facebook is an animal, it's a king. Facebook is king. Now there's other platforms and we won't go on them, we don't have time, but Facebook is king, at least for my business. It gives me the ability to market at the same level that Coca-Cola does, the biggest brand in the world. And a little dry cleaner here in Tulsa, Oklahoma can market at the same level. All you gotta do is have the right content. It is really that simple. For almost no money, you can market and reach your customers at the same level as Coca-Cola, unlimited marketing. They can spend all the millions of dollars on the Super Bowl ads that they want. I'm gonna get more value 
on social media than they are. Coupons, low value contest, answer questions, products and service. So what's a low value contest? Well, last month we did our fourth annual wedding dress preservation month. Pay attention. You're about to get married, right? I'm picking on you all night. Um, so it's real simple. A, a lady posts a picture of her wearing her wedding dress to our Facebook page. One random winner every week and whoever can get the most likes every week. Two, two, two giveaways a week. We do it for a whole month. Now think about that. I'm attacking women, 70% make the buying decision for dry cleaning in their early 20s, maybe 30s, depending on where they're at in life. They have the most expensive gown, they've ever, item of clothing they've ever purchased. They've paid a lot of money for the wedding and a lot of money for photos, and they don't have an audience to share it with. Now they get to share it with their friends and family and my audience, and I'm creating a great brand experience. While they're there, they're seeing my coupons. They're seeing my app. They're seeing all the other marketing things I have. Now, they may not be my customer today, but in five years, they will be. And I'm starting to gain their trust, get them involved with my brand. Now, I don't want to miss some of these other points, so we're going to fly through it. The good, the bad, and ugly. Customers that engage with your brand are going to spend 20 to 40% more on your, in your business than, they, than if they don't engage. You've got to get that brand engagement. That's what we're doing here. All right, you're going to get a whole lot more negative experiences or posts than positive ones. Why is that? Anyone have a guess? You're close. Customers expect, no, they demand that you treat them right every time. They treat them good. They treat them exceptional. They're not going to go and say, hey, you did what you're supposed to. Good job. Post it on Facebook. If you do what they don't expect, then they're going to go to Facebook or any other social media and they're going to slam you because you didn't meet their expectations. You failed to deliver on your marketing message. Now, all is not lost. Uh, now, you can read that for what it is. We're going to skip on. All is off. Do you ignore? Do you delete? Do you respond? Respond. Good. I've learned this the hard way. Now, I'm a self-proclaimed social media genius. I've been on it since 2003. A long time. 50% uh, of your customers are going to respond, are, are going to Google your business uh, and look for a review. And they're going to be influenced by those reviews more than your marketing message. You have to respond. Good, bad, or ugly. Don't look at it as a death sentence. They just gave you that one-star review and just slammed you. Look at it as an opportunity to earn them for life. How can you respond to them as a company, as an organization, where you can proactively answer their problem? Maybe they're giving you a true complaint with your business that you need to address as a business person. Or maybe someone just messed up. But it's how you solve it, which will, which will translate in how they answer. If you can solve it, you can make them a brand advocate for you. Or once they were making it a negative experience, if you can solve it the right way, they're not their customer for life, and they're going to tell people, on average, 75% more of the time. If you can make them happy, they're going to respond to you. Who's here put a negative review online? Average slam someone. All right, who's here had a cut? Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Come on. Who's put a negative review online? One star, two star. Who cares? Okay, now who here has had a company engage with them and try to resolve it? Okay, who here, this will show the men from the, the boys, who actually updated their review to reflect that? Okay, I'm proud of you. You guys are living the walk. All right, I know we're out of time, so we're going to slip through this. You guys don't have a mobile website. You're riding a dead horse. You just don't know it yet because it hasn't fallen over. All right, finally, last but not least, I got like two seconds, so I'm going to talk about my app. Um, Yale has an incredible uh, app, um, iPhone, Android. It's about to get better. Over 30,000 iPhone and Android downloads in just the Tulsa area alone. We have, in just the iPhone, we have 2,000 daily active users. Now, why is that? 
Well, we're delivering value to our customers. We're giving them their order status. We're giving them paperless coupons. You don't even have to print them anymore. This paper that I passed out, it's old school. You can get them on your phone. And then finally, special care. Special care is one of the coolest things. That little barcode I told you about, you can scan that barcode in the app and alert me to special requests. You have a stain, you have a buttons missing, you want your shirts folded for your business trip, that's what the app does for you. When you have that express bag, everyone's gone to the cleaners. Bag full of clothes, you're dropping them off. What do you do with that counter person when you, when you got this problem with this one shirt? It's got to stay out. What do you do? Is she going to actually listen to you, write it down? We're all human. We all make mistakes. The app solves that conflict. You flag it into the computer system. The computer system now manages it. It flags them when they mark it in, and it flags them when they assemble it. It, pre it, it prevents human error, or it helps prevent human error. I wish everything was perfect, but we're all human. We all make mistakes. But it is an excellent, excellent thing. Uh, and with that, I think my time's done, so I'm going to just wrap it up. I'm going to leave it on this last slide. You can read about the great things we do in the community. Um, anyone has a question? you got like 30 seconds. Good. It's up to you. Thank you, Evan. Right. Thank you, John. I hope you've enjoyed this month's message. If you live in the Tulsa area, be sure to join us next month for a free lunch and another great speaker. We meet on the second Monday of every month at Tiamos at 61st and Sheridan at 11.40 a.m. For more information about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, visit www.ybtok.com. At the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, we are building leaders for a lifetime.